Hello and welcome to Another Look, a podcast about anything and everything that we feel deserves another look. Love it, hate it, or something in between. We are going to talk about Avengers Endgame. I am your host, Jeremy McKinley, and... Russell Andrade. But, Brian Powers. Ha ha ha. Hello, gentlemen. How's it going? Good. I'm excited to talk about this movie with you guys. Ah, me too. We're going to do uh, spoilers, so to anyone listening at this point in time, it's the two-week ban has been lifted, so if you... <laughs> so uh, it'd be a really weird conversation talking about it without spoilers. So uh, we're going to talk good, we're going to talk bad, and then we're going to drop the ratings, uh, and yeah, cool, cool, cool. So uh, just just to set it up, we're talking Avengers Endgame, directed by uh, the Russo brothers. Uh, directed by who, Brian? Marcus and McFeely. Marcus and McFeely. They're the guy. Yeah, they did the first Avenger, all the Cap movies, um, and also Infinity War as well. Awesome. And uh, this movie is three hours long, so it is a monumental. It is a. It is definitely a um, an ending of sorts. I mean, obviously, the MCU is never going to end, as that's like asking you to stop making money. But this is definitely, but this is definitely the end of an era, and I will get this started before we even talk about the good and the bad. I just want to applaud Marvel for pulling off successfully what has, uh, at this point in time, uh, never been done to this degree. So uh, yeah, uh, much much prop to them for for pulling off a twenty two film story arc. <laughs> that twenty two movies that is insane. That is insane, and have them all you know you know. Uh, to one degree or another, be successful. So that's a that's <laughs> that's a hell of a run. And they were all referenced in this movie in one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. They they use everything but the kitchen sink in terms of callback. There's definitely a point where in this film uh, that I will call Marvel's greatest hits. So, <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we're going to just. Uh, uh, hop into it and just talk about uh, the good. So, uh, Brian, go first. You know, I really loved the first hour of this movie where you really got to live in the world for a little while. You got a sense of loss. It kind of built up stakes. I thought it was a really interesting way to start the movie, um, especially with uh, comparing it to Infinity War with uh, how fast paced that movie was to start off with a slower pace and you're, you know, especially that scene with uh, Cap and Black Widow, which was great acting by uh, Scarlett Johansson. I just really liked how they just slowed down for a moment so that we could really feel the impact. Um, like Brian said, you got to see a sense of them being lit in the world. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. I, I really... Enjoyed a big chunk of the first hour for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I actually really enjoyed the first hour a lot as well. The only thing I kind of wanted to see more of was like just how average people were affected by it, really. How, you know, economies were affected by it and stuff. Politics, you know, White House, like how much of White House staff, you know, was gone immediately that they had to scramble to regain some semblance of order within the chaos. Yeah, yeah or did the, did the government break down? Did normal infrastructure break down, like the water system or, or whatever, you know, all that kind of shit, because you have half the people gone. So, you know, some of that normal infrastructure has to be working, right? <laughs> you would think. Yeah, I was actually very happy when uh, I saw those 
I saw those three words five years later. That was crazy. <laughs> like, I saw the five, and I was like, all right, five months. All right, that's cool. And then, especially how they did the pause on it, it was great. Uh, they definitely drew that out a bit. <laughs> well, it, it, no, it played great. Uh, I went on opening night the first time. I've seen this movie three times. And um, it, it played, I mean, a bunch of nerds in the audience, so my people. And yeah, that that moment just played crazy good in the theater. One thing I liked as well, which led, which leads up to the five years later, uh, they just went out and take out Thanos in like five minutes. Right. And I'm happy they got it done quickly because I didn't want that to be dragged out. Yeah. That that really surprised me that they, they just went off and fucking just chopped his head off. And dude, like, I was like, wow, that was quick. Like, holy shit. And then it, it goes back into that whole, like, shit, what do we do now kind of thing. And that's really what I want in movies is when you give the hero or give the people what they want only to show that it didn't really give them what they wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah, or give them something they never knew they wanted. <laughs> and, well, 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 not the people, but like, but like the characters, right? You know, like, like, yeah, a, like, yeah, yeah. like, you know, in a like in Shazam, there was that point where Billy, you know, meets his mom, and it's not what, he, and it's what he wanted, but it also wasn't what he wanted. You know what I mean? I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just like, oh, like, oh, just kill Thanos, and it solves the problem. And I'm like. Before the movie came out, people were just saying, well, you know, like, who's going to kill Thanos? And I'm like, guys, he already won. What is killing him going to do? <laughs> I really did enjoy that they just kind of, you know, like, got on with it and moved on with the story. Uh, Russ, uh, what's a good thing that you have to say about this movie, sir? Um, I loved a lot of the character work, and uh, particularly my two favorite standouts besides Tony Stark was actually Hawkeye was my number one and along with Black Widow. Uh, the character work between those two made me really realize both those characters had supporting characters. These are characters who have been very strong supporting characters. They play their characters well, and neither of them have had their own movie. And uh, I'd say a most of the emotional weight for me was between these characters. And so everything they did with Hawkeye, kind of making him like a, uh, a Batman Punisher kind of guy, like going out, taking out monsters and people from all over the world. Oh, yeah. You know, it kind of, it reminds me of uh, the, the new Blade Runner, where when that movie came out, they did a couple of, like, 10-minute shorts of, like, clips and moments that they filmed, like characters living in that oh, world. Oh, that's right, yeah. I could have watched a bunch of shorts of just uh, Hawkeye taking out people. I, I thought it fantastic. So um, those characters together and singly uh, was fantastic. And the opening sequence with uh, what happened with Hawkeye on his part was awesome. Oh, very well done. Uh, yeah, I agree. That was uh, that was definitely a uh, a strong opening. And also, uh, it was also what you love, uh, Russell, those cold openings where it just opens like that. I'm a very big fan of cold openings, especially with superheroes, because it implies the fact that they are the same sort Being that we didn't get Hawkeye pretty much at our, our, at all in the last film, I'm happy that he definitely gets to shine a lot in this film. Uh, he is definitely a standout. Uh, since while we're on the subject of standout characters, uh, my standout character is actually, for me, going to be Nebula, man. I, uh, I think Nebula, uh, they fleshed her out so much and gave her so much to do. She had a huge role in this movie. She did. And just like 
she's kind of she's I feel like he was that character that kind of was given the short uh the short shiv of being uh being that being the being the ultimate straight man character if you get what I'm saying where she just mm-hmm. has to be so yeah. so intense all the time but when you know when she has less competition in terms of you know trying to get screen time they really uh do a lot with her and I really enjoyed uh, I enjoyed what they did with her, uh, you know, especially after building her character arc uh, with uh, with uh, her sister Gamora in the past uh, Guardians films, as well as uh, Infinity War. I thought that uh, for me, anyway, she was uh, my favorite, uh, my favorite character in this movie. Uh, how about you, Brian? Um, I, I mean, my favorite character is and always will be Cap. And Cap, he had. Uh, when I was going through all my favorite moments, I was like, oh, yeah, when Cap did this, like the Cap on Cap uh, fight, and when he said Avengers Assemble and all this stuff. So he just got some really good moments. There's definitely a change in Cap. I felt like he was cussing, um, you know, when he was going versus old Cap in uh, the Avengers he old cap said I can do this all day. He's just like I know, I know. Yeah. You know, he's kind of weathered down a bit. You know, life's kind of beating him down. You could really see that. So I liked how Chris Evans played that. Well, well, well I mean, I I liked the I know, I know. Almost like he's like I gotta go. I gotta go somewhere, and this is just another hand And he's like, I can go all day. Like yeah, I, yeah, I know, man. Let's go, let's go, let's wrap it up. I got shit to do. Right. <laughs> exactly. Cap was great, had his, his great moments. In fact, funny story. So uh, uh, one of my best friends, his name is James, and I made a bet uh, about a year ago before Infinity War came out. And the and basically uh, the whole point of the bet was, or, or, or what was on the line for the bet was uh, uh, whoever won the bet uh, had, to buy, had to buy the winner dinner, right? Okay. And so... Uh, and so when we saw Infinity War, uh, it was looking like I was going to be getting my uh, my dinner. And then uh, and he even said, hey, do you want to just call it right here? And I said, no, let's let it finish because I'm I am I am nothing if not a fair man. And so <laughs> and so uh, when we got to Endgame, uh, there was a point where some where uh, something happens and my friend looks over at me and smiles and I shake his hand and I have never been so happy to lose a bet and all my life and i will let you know what the bet is right here the bet was uh my friend james had kept saying for years that captain america will pick up thor's hammer <laughs> and i kept saying okay and i kept saying all right i don't think it's gonna happen and then the moment it happens in fact that moment was probably the one thing that cop or that surprised me in the film and i was happy to be wrong and for it to happen because when it happens it is it is a monumentally awesome moment yeah that's one of those moments where i i was very vocal in the first uh showing as was everyone in my audience so it was good but um that's one of the ones where i was like Fuck yeah, this is great. Oh yeah, that was just fan fantastic. No, the only question I kind of have is like, why was he not worthy the first time? What, like in Ultron? Yeah, <laughs> like what happened between uh, men that made him more worthy? <laughs> so I've heard a couple of things. The Russo brothers have said like, oh, he just didn't want to hurt Thor's feelings or some shit like that. Like, nah. <laughs> I think is really pretty fucking stupid. I do um, agree. My headcanon is that that was about the time that uh, Cap knew about Tony's parents being killed by uh, Winter Soldier, and he hadn't told him yet, so he wasn't completely worthy then. 
because uh, that was still on his conscience. I kind of like that explanation a little bit better, but I will never really know. Yeah, it's 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 never really like an uh, there's, there's no real moment of like Cap like apparently getting something off his chest that you know that makes him uh, definitively right. worthy or not worthy. But right, right. Uh, Russ, how did you feel about Cap grabbing Thor's hammer? No, I, I really liked it, and my own take on that, um, my own interpretation of that was really that. He didn't have the confidence for it at the moment. Like, he was trying, but he was more of game. People were hanging out, drinking, you know, hanging out. And so I think if he had really given it more effort and needed to actually use the hammer, he would have found himself worthy in the moment to, to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he does get it to wiggle and move around. Uh, I think if he, if he had sat there and like, no, I'm going to keep trying this for 10 minutes, I think he could easily pick it up. Uh, there's a good moment then, and uh, him grabbing the hammer was great and then him and uh, Thor had some good moments where you take the little one yeah yeah yeah. you know Cap using the hammer and uh, yeah I do agree uh, Russ what really other positive things well. do you have for this movie sir uh, you know what? I'm going to say that this movie for me personally was a really good feeling of completion for the 22 movie um, I've been very hit or miss with every couple of movies, like one or two small stories, and the other small things for me. And so I, I like a complete feeling of a of a movie trilogy, a series. And um, this movie really feels like it had a good close. So if I was if if I was someone who wasn't interested in seeing other Marvel movies. Like, I feel now like I don't have to be invested anymore. I feel like I like that this movie, for me, had a good sense of completion. Like, if I if I didn't want to go any further beyond this movie, I feel like this was good enough. And so I actually felt really relieved. I was like, wow, like, all of these 22 movies, this is a completed story. You know, it, it would be like if you read the Harry Potter book, and then maybe you started to dip out by, like, the fifth or sixth book. And then they finish it with like the system. That's all. Finally, woo! You know, to get the satisfaction of having a complete story or something done, and uh, that's what this movie does to me. Is it has a completed. I do agree. And in fact, I would probably say, in terms of endings for a series, uh, I've I've only felt this kind of completion with uh, with uh, uh, with two other series. Uh, one of them being the Toy Story series, and the other one being uh, Harry Potter. So yeah, I do, I do agree that uh, this was a a great swan song to what they were trying to accomplish with this. It really just felt like a, a culmination, like from from minute one to three hours. It just felt like a culmination of all these movies, all these storylines, character arcs, and that eventually being wrapped up uh, in a bow. So if you did want to jump off and and go, you know, just say, okay, I did that, and now I'm done with Marvel movies, you definitely can. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's definitely a great hopping off spot. I also love that, um, and so, I mean, we're doing spoilers here, so I love that Tony, or that Tony Stark's final line of, uh, you know, before he, uh, you know, snaps his fingers and ends the whole thing. Uh, was his final line in Iron Man, 
which I thought was perfect, actually. Thanos had his whole Agent Smith moment of saying, you know, I am inevitable, and then he, and then Tony gets the stones and says, I am Iron Man, and I was like, hell yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a great moment. Uh, uh, Brian, what else you got for us? Yeah, I've kind of mentioned this a little bit, but there was a lot of fan service in this movie, and but the good kind of fan service, because there, there definitely can be bad fan service, and there's, there's quite a bit of it, but... Um, I feel like what they gave us was something, I kind of alluded to this earlier, um, things that you never really knew you wanted, uh, but then once you got them, you said, oh, I've always wanted that, like Cap fighting Cap, Cap saying Hail Hydra, uh, Avengers Assemble, the Thor's Hammer, those are just some of my favorite fan service moments. I feel like it really paid off being invested uh, in the movies for, you know, 10 years or 22 movies. You, you got a sense of satisfaction out of seeing all of those movies. In fact, if we're going to talk fan service real quick, uh, the entire final battle, actually, uh, yeah. it actually, uh, uh, so there's a sweeping shot that, uh, that, that had me in complete awe and turned me into a kid again for like five minutes. And it's that sweeping shot when everyone's lining up uh, to fight uh, right before Cap says assemble. And, yeah. you know, and the camera pulls back. You see Giant Man there. You uh, you see sorcerers. You see the you know you see the guardians. Uh, you see the Ravengers. You see as guardians. It's just everyone and the kitchen sink is there. You know, with their mother and grandmother and uncle and everybody. Like the whole like the whole family <laughs> and extended family is here to fight for the fate of all of the universe and all universes. And they pull back and just that shot. It not only had me in awe, but it uh, but it took me back to uh, one of, or actually my favorite Avengers story, a storyline which is called the Ultimates, uh, written by Mark Millar and drawn by Brian Hitch. But there's a uh, but the, the final fight where all the Avengers uh, fight the bad guys basically looks a lot like that, especially with the red color palette too. But I was uh, I was very happy to see that or or see that called back visually for sure. Yeah, when Cap said Avengers Assemble, I was the only one in the theater to just yell out, finally! <laughs> <laughs> and no one else said anything, and then I felt really weird about it um, afterwards. Uh, but uh, I've just been waiting for him to say that for 22 movies. So I loved it when he said it. And the way he did it, it wasn't too cheesy. I think it was just perfect. Like, let's go kick some ass. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! He pauses just—he pauses just so we can catch that hammer first, and then he says it. Yeah, and you, let's actually talk about that climactic uh, battle scene. Um, especially recently, the action in the Marvel movies—we've talked about it in our reviews—hasn't been the best. Like, you know, even with Black Panther, Doctor Strange, like all the. Uh, Captain Marvel, all of those, the the action scenes just haven't been that great. I really like the action scene at the end, and uh, I really paid attention to it in uh, times two and three, and you could see stuff going on in the background. Like, you can focus in on the background, there's still a story going on back there, and, and action and stuff, you know, it's not all just in the foreground. So I really like that battle scene. Uh, I really enjoyed it as well. I actually saw the movie twice, so I was able to put on my, uh, you know, you know, my critic eyes after, you know, you know, after seeing it the first time. And that, yeah, that that battle was great. Uh, just, just, uh, I always, I, I will always uh, applaud the Russos for uh, the incredible juggling act 
they have, especially in that final battle of giving as many characters as possible, you know, a moment uh, to shine. There were moments that for me were kind of like, okay, that was there. And it was neither good nor bad. Like there was the moment where uh, Captain Marvel shows up and, you know, uh, they got to get the, you know, the infinity gauntlet to a certain spot. And then they're like, well, the entire army's in front of her, and then every girl shows up to help her out. And it was funny, because I had a friend next to me, and I began singing the song, I'm every woman, it's all in me. <laughs> it's definitely that girl power moment, and it's a bit cheesy, but I, you know, but I was like, all right, I'll go with it. Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people, it, that's been kind of a divisive scene from what I've heard. And I liked it. I can see where some people might think it's pandering, considering... You know, it took to movie 21 to have a, a female superhero when you had, you know, Black Widow with you the whole time and she never got a movie. Yeah, and, um, it, yeah, and then you give her a movie after she dies. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I thought it was cool. I thought it was kind of a badass shot. Hopefully it's a promise of... Uh, stuff to come it might have been a little cheesy but it worked for me i mean i've seen the lineup for the next few marvel films and there's only one female in that or no there's two i mean there's captain marvel captain marvel 2 and black widow but there's they're still dragging their feet on it though yeah <laughs> they sure are but um i also liked uh, a small little moment between um spider-man and captain marvel oh the... and just when he says hi i'm peter parker and she's like hey peter parker I, I don't know. I just really liked that that uh, moment. I thought it was cool. She didn't really get a lot of uh, time in this movie, which I think it was good. Thank God. Because, you know, she's, yeah, she's new. She's completely overpowered. So, you know, that has its own issues. <laughs> but this wasn't her story. Like, her story's to come, and hopefully it's better than her first story. But um, I like that they just kind of used her sparingly. Uh, yeah, I do agree. Uh, she's barely in this movie. She probably has about, like, eight lines total in this whole movie. So. Yeah. Russ, how did you feel about the final battle? Uh, you know, I, I liked it. That's a unique take that many may or may not like, but I actually don't even feel like the final battle was necessary in the way they did it. But, again, if you want to do a lot of fan service to make everyone happy, it was uh, mostly pretty good. Um Kind of on my bad side is I don't like that we didn't lose any heroes really in that fight. I'm like, okay, we didn't lose anybody here. Oh, oh okay. I, I did think the all female thing was kind of cheesy. Uh, it, it's kind of very similar to a lot of uh, political stuff that's been going on in the news. The next moment I can really say I really enjoyed in the movie was actually between the Hulk and the Ancient One. Uh, I really liked that scene when uh, he went to get the, the time stone from her. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty good scene. I, I I definitely enjoyed him or her knocking Bruce Banner out of the Hulk's body and having that chat. Yeah, that was a good one. I, I really like that scene. And, uh, there's a lot of cool cameos in this movie. And uh, yeah, that was a good one with her and just the way they did it with her giving the stone after realizing that Strange had given up the stone for a reason. I also like the whole thing with her just knowing that Strange would one day become one of them. Like, oh, we're here for Dr. Strange. And he's like, he's not going to be a sorcerer for like five more years, guys. Well, yeah, she's got the time stone, so she can, she's probably seen it all. How do we like Tony Stark having a daughter, having someone else to fight for? I thought it was really wonderful. Oh, that was great. I, I mean, the whole five years thing, actually, you know, it made characters do that thing that we want them to do is move on and progress and 
hopefully become better people. Yeah, he really had something to lose in it. Tony having a kid, yeah. I I, I definitely love that. It actually kind of harkens back to a, a comic that Russ and I love called Invincible, where uh, they definitely always are moving characters forward in their lives until they'll be superheroes for a while, and then they'll retire and have kids. And like actual people, you know, we have chapters in our lives that don't go on forever, like in comic books. So. <laughs> Yeah, Brian. What else you got for us? I really liked the editing in the in. It felt very uh, episodic, almost, almost like a uh, episode of Game of Thrones uh, when they were, especially during the time heist, uh, when they were kind of going back and forth between all uh, the three different, I believe it's three different teams yeah. and what they were doing. I felt like it was all paced really well. Have the the sequence in which they jump from location to location worked out pretty well, and I yeah, I just I really like the vibe of the editing. In fact, there's even a there's even a point where they do a a one take fight sequence with a with Hawkeye, but he's like a, he's all he's all Ronin out killing Yakuza in Japan. I think I'm gonna be racist and just assume they're all Yakuza, but it was just all shot cleanly and stuff. Because you know the one thing I complain about with Marvel is their. Uh, they're choppy editing when it comes to their hand-to-hand fights uh, in this film. But uh, other than the cap-on-cap fight, which I can kind of understand having to cut around uh, to Chris Evans and stuff, I, uh, I, I, the editing was uh, the editing was fine. And actually, the best compliment to an editor is that you, it was seamless and you didn't notice anything at all, right? You know, exactly. Yeah, and I really and I really noticed it my second and third time watching it. Um, I, I really started like looking at how. It was put together and, and stitched together, and especially that third time, I was like, wow, this is really, really well done. Yeah, I, I do agree. All right, gentlemen, we're going to do one more round of good stuff before we hop over to the bad stuff. So, Russell, what do you got? I think that list up. Here's speaking really quick. Uh, knowing how popular Captain Marvel, Black Panther, and Spider-Man currently are for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I really like the fact that those three characters were not heavily in this movie at all. I mean, of course, they're going to have future things going on, but I felt like there was a pleasant level of restraint that they focused on the story without pulling in the, the fan favorites, the, 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 the new fan favorites. So I really respect them to not heavily rely on those three characters. And then um, I'm just going to give a quote really quick that I really liked when Thor ran into his mom. Oh, actually, I, I have to throw in one more as well. Tony talking to his dad with the but along with this being Thor talking to his mom and uh, kind of um, you know telling her about all the future events and she's like I know I know who you are and that you're not my Thor because you know you're from the future and things. She gives him a quote I really like and from the best way that she said to him, everyone fails at who they're supposed to be, Thor. A measure of a person of a hero. It's how well they succeed at being who they are. So I really liked how she was able to comfort him in his time of need when he was going through uh, some somewhat of a crisis. You know, Thor has been a generally very confident character, so it was really good to see him have breakdowns. And so mom to be there to comfort him, I thought was really wonderful. Yeah, they finally gave her some actual, you know, stuff to actually say and actually matter. She was kind of a, I feel like she was kind of a useless character until they killed her off in dark world and they needed to like and the only reason why they killed her off and the only reason why you know she got so much screen time in dark world was because they were was because they were going to kill her off so it's nice it's nice that she was able to have another moment you know to kind of be 
uh, you be a mother, you know, since Odin normally gets all the parenting stuff. Ron, what do you got? Yeah, uh, just to go off of uh, Russell's thing again, and I have a feeling that we're probably going to talk more about Thor in the next section. The part of Thor that worked really well for me was that stuff with his mother. And uh, without that, I would have really disliked what they did with Thor. It didn't bother me. I understand why some people um, don't like it. And I I mean, I can't fault them for that. That's definitely, um, that's definitely valid. But uh, I really did love what they did uh, with the mother and that whole speech and kind of hit me right in the heart. So I really did like that uh, scene. Uh, yeah. With the fact, I will give credit to the fact that Thor hasn't used his hammer in a while, and his hammer had been broken. So, for him to realize the hammer that his father has created, that he was still worthy for it, and he had that moment of surprise, like he wasn't sure if he was still worthy, I thought that was a good moment too, when he realized that he was still worthy of his uh, of his hammer. Despite the personal yeah, no, that was, that was great. You know, because everyone goes through dark times, and and just that message of you know whether you don't feel worthy yourself, uh, you know, in your in your head, you might be telling yourself you're not worthy. In reality, you really you are. You just you got to push through that that time. So yeah, the symbolism there, I really like that. So we're gonna hop over to stuff that we did not like now. So um, I'm going to kind of start it off here. And since we're already on the topic, let's just bleed it from the good stuff with Thor into the bad stuff with Thor. Yeah, I did not like pathetic, fat, lazy Thor. Just wasn't working for me. How did you feel about it, Brian? Um, I, so I have three sections in my, uh, my little notes I have here. I have pros, cons, and neutral. <laughs> and so Thor is under the neutral. Um, essentially, I thought it was ballsy, really crazy to, to make Thor fat, but I also did really respect that they stuck with it, because I was worried at the end of the, uh, at the big battle scene, that all of a sudden he'd go back to skinny Thor, and I think that would have been a total cop-out, and, and yeah, I would have been pissed if they did that, so they at least stuck with it. Uh, they put his hair to braid and, and and went on with it, but it didn't it didn't bother me. I think they did take it a little far in a few times, but especially my first time when I was watching it, um, that first hour is so depressing. Um, when I saw him, I laughed, yeah. and it just kind of brought a little bit of levity for me, so it worked. But I totally understand that uh, if it didn't work for other people. Um, and, and that's why it was neither a pro nor a con for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, for me, it came across as a, like, it just made Thor kind of pathetic to me. And it kind of boiled back to the things that I didn't like about the first Thor film, where they just kind of use, like, like when Thor is not, you know, being serious, he's just kind of, like, he, he he's kind of gets used for, for laughs normally. Like in, uh, uh, like in the first Thor, they hit him with a car I don't know how many times just to make people laugh. <laughs> right, right. And, and in this one, I mean, they had. To, I mean, I kind of almost had a drinking game of how many times they made a fat joke. 
Not because it was like, oh, it, it felt necessary. It's just, hey, let's make another fat joke. Or, like, oh, look, he's asleep right now. Or, look, he's rambling right now. Or, look, he's constantly breaking down. Because his whole thing of him breaking down about any given thing in his past, like Jane or something, or when he's breaking down, uh, when he's talking about the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the redstone, the ether, and he just goes rambling on and on, and it's just used for comedy, and it's just like, ah, uh, all right. Yeah, that I was g- one of the times where it went a little too far for me. I was like, all right, I, that, this isn't funny. Like, that, I don't get this. And I'm happy they did the thing with this mom, because outside of that, uh, Thor was kind of completely useless for that entire time heist. Pretty much at all. I mean, I like. I mean, I, I mean, I love. You know, at the end, obviously, when he's like all, all Vikinged out and all thick with you know with both his hammers and he's bringing the lightning yeah. and looking awesome. But up until that point, he just kind of feels like he needs to be the comic relief to you know bring levity after all this dark, depressing stuff. Which you know, for me, I love being you know the resident DC lobbyist here at Another Look Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. All right. Uh, uh, speaking with Thor for just a minute. I do not like that he gave up his kingdom and joined the Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't like that we haven't seen Thor be any kind of good king. The last movie in, in, in uh, at the end of Thor Ragnarok, the only thing he's done for his people is he put them on a ship and then flew away and tried to save them by letting his planet and everything be blown up or being destroyed. And... You know, honestly, you know, Affinity War happened, and they all, you know, a bunch of them get destroyed. And uh, I don't like the fact that someone who's been around for thousands of years, who has been through thousands of battles, and has pretty good, strong leadership parents, who would have told them about laws and something and how to be a good king, that he has not seen any good moments. Yeah, I definitely agree. He he is constant. Uh, that's probably my other thing with the Thor thing was he's constantly running away from his responsibility, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh yeah, I don't want to be a king. Cause it means that I got to do things I don't want to do. I'd rather just kind of be." I mean, because like his whole character arc in the first one, that uh, first film was that he was not worthy because he was just so cocky, and the second one was just like, "Oh, dad, yeah, um, I don't want to be king because." To be a king would require that I have to make difficult decisions, and I don't want to do that. I'm like, wow, that's kind of a puss out, but okay. And then this third one, you know, his dad dies, and he kind of has to become king, and he's forced, and he has greatness thrust upon him, and now he has to be king, and it's awesome. And in this one, he's just like, nah, I'm gonna give it to Valkyrie, and I'm gonna run off and just, you know, do fun stuff again. I'm like, wow, that kind of, that felt kind of like a a degradation of uh, where his character was supposedly going. But because everyone likes fun Thor more than King Thor, even though I don't feel like we've even had enough King Thor to really have an opinion on that. So, Brian? Yeah, like I said, um, the the Thor thing wasn't as big for me. But one scene that didn't work for me would be Natasha and Clint um, on Vormir. Oh, the fight you know, for the, oh the fight for the sacrifice. Yeah, <laughs> like I understand why they both would need to fight for it and but that scene like i don't know i think the fight and maybe it was the score with it i don't know i just didn't feel the implications uh with it and it was technically good but i didn't feel anything once she died well it's a great well it's a great scene when she says let me go the problem is the scene comes across as if it's played for laughs exactly exactly there was like a tonal issue there 
And it's like, oh, look, I, it's like, oh, look, I knocked you down. Oh, look, I knocked you down and shocked you. Oh, look, I shot a bow at you. And now I'm getting my argument. No, I got it. It's like, oh, you got, you got me this time, Natasha. And then it's like, now feel sad. And I'm just like, wait, what? Sorry, that's too jarring of moments. You want me to feel two, two polar opposite emotions and a very small span of time. So. Exactly. Well, at least it's good. I wasn't the only one that felt like that. Uh, oh, but no. yeah, I just. I was like, okay, technically this is good, but it just didn't hit me. Yeah, uh, I definitely liked her sacrifice, and when she was like saying "Let me go," that definitely rang true. I thought that. No, was... I liked that part, but it was the forty-five seconds before that oh, yeah. that led up to it. Oh yeah, that buildup was not. That's a good. That's a good example of for me of how guilt can ruin a moment. Uh, going back to Thor and Zacharoth is uh, when Thor and Loki, as we mentioned before, are in the elevator and, like, they have a real moment, and then five seconds later they're like, get help? They turn it into a joke, which then takes away the special moment. So mm-hmm. that scene plays better for me generally, but, yeah, I do remember seeing them go back and forth. like, okay, one or two times we've been fine, but they just went back and forth a lot. Like, I would have liked one of them to get, like, if she, like, if he was about to sucker punch him, her and then she does it to him instead and then like runs off you know I, I would have liked that better because um, you know when you see how, how much damage Hawkeye did on the Hell of Barriers in Avengers and just like their special bond as friends like I, I really believe and like you said like, when you go and think guilty kind of James Bond getting through moments it kind of takes away part of that and so that's unfortunately what I would say a lot of the Marvel movies have done for me like that sort I mean it's hard not to look at him and not laugh a bunch of times at him being a fat, Lebowski-looking loser. And it's like, well, this guy really has a really depressing storyline going on in this movie and in previous movies, and we don't feel even half the amount of weight we should at what he's going through because of the laughs and the fact that people are calling him Lebowski and such. So I think that's a good illustration with the, the Clint and Black Widow thing is a similar kind of effect. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's just, it, it, it's that bathos, man. It just needs to, uh, Marvel doesn't, when Marvel has it right, they have it right. But when, but sometimes they lean so heavy on the joke side that it definitely just hurts, hurts, hurts the drama. Uh, another, yeah. uh, I think I wanted to bring up, uh, the time travel stuff, man. There's a point where they yeah. kind of explain that, oh, if you go go back in time and do something crazy, it won't affect the future. And I was like, wait, hold on, what? Because, uh, this- yeah. The, that stuff was, I mean, I, I see where they're going with it, um, but it, it didn't really, if you really started to think about it, um, it doesn't make a ton of sense, especially with what they did with Nebula. Oh, uh, where she like, kills I her was, past self and somehow is not, or kills her past self and somehow not dead? <laughs> right, I was just waiting for her to just, like, go away, you know, or just, like, disappear after killing herself. And that never happened. And it kind of took me out of the movie the first time. Uh, or the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's weird. And it just for, you know, 15 seconds kind of took me out of it. Because I just didn't understand. Everything I've seen about time travel, even though they said, like, oh, all that's bullshit and whatever. Still, it, I think it was too hard of a turn. Yeah, 
it, and also it was just it was so much of Marvel wanting to have their cake and eat it too in terms of being able to have time yeah. travel. But but if you like add serious consequences to where you know people died and they don't come back or something, then it kind of brings down the mood, which I understand. But it's just. It's just I felt like Marvel was just laying was just laying down all those all those nets underneath the tightrope so you don't have to worry about the person falling and getting hurt and hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on, guys, <laughs> you. And I mean, because I understand what they're doing. Because I, I I recently saw the Spider Man uh, Far From Home trailer and I saw like, oh, they want to do a multiverse thing. Okay, this and that's why they're setting it up here with all the alternate quote unquote timelines that'll be uh branched out from all the quote-unquote decisions that will change stuff going back in time i get that and 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 i could even get cap going back in time and and you know and living with peggy carter and stuff and living you know living through again like that makes sense time-wise but when you but but when you just take away consequences like death and stuff i'm like all right guys uh all right, you lost me there. And just while we're on the subject of time travel, I just wanted to throw out there: um, I don't like the fact that Tony has a master's degree in Omni Science, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, and and he just literally solved time travel in like what an evening? Yeah, that kind of required you to to really suspend disbelief like quite a bit. Because well, along with that, if you're already going to do a five year time jump. He could have had a scene that said, like, four or five years ago, in the first five years, where they talked to Tony and Greek Banner about time travel and show that both of them had been working on it for years, even the possibility of it, even if they were to say, oh, we're not going to mess with that, to really show that these two smart guys came up with it. Um, I also don't like that it's Tony Stark that figured it out, because that just continues the idea that Tony Stark can just do anything genius-wise. It's like... Oh, I'm a brain surgeon and a heart surgeon and a foot surgeon. Like, where does his specialty with his genius end? And the fact that he just kind of knows everything kind of freaks me. Very similar to uh, you know, Black Panther's sister, that she can kind of do anything genius like too. I I like characters that are really smart and that they uh, they don't know everything, but they're just really smart in one or two fields, not like ten or twenty. And so, yeah, along with the idea that Tony Stark Like just thinking about it now, wouldn't it have been a better idea if Tony was trying to figure out time travel like within that five year period, but stopped when uh, when Pepper got pregnant when he realized he didn't want to change what was happening? Like that would have made more sense yeah. than have the reveal that he already solved it, but he just but he stopped because like I'm not going to sacrifice my kid now. I have I have something way bigger to lose by going back and preventing stuff. Oh, hey, uh, with the time travel stuff. I do not like that Captain America went back in time for Peggy. And because that means he erased all of her children and her husband relationship. I rewatched Winter Soldier, the clip where he goes to see Peggy Carter when she's older. And yet, there's a picture of her and her husband and her kids. And so, the implication that she had grandchildren and everything else, and now Steve Rogers has really rose over all that, 
I still personally is the most uncaptain America thing he would have ever done. Well, wouldn't just that just created a new di- dimension? And in the main timeline, she still got married to that guy, but there was a whole other branching timeline where Captain America came back. But in the main Marvel timeline, she still okay, mixed so, that okay, guy. So here's a problem I have with that idea. Okay. Is, uh, I don't think Captain America, first of all, knew that because I think they want to pull that to hope. But again, I don't like any of their time travel stuff they did at all. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing is, if he really jumped into another dimension, then that he's no longer in his dimension, which means they still fail. So it would just be like Captain America goes on his own private little happy dimension while everyone else suffers in this one. And it would have changed the course of everything else that previously had happened. All the adventure fights, all the adventure battles. Yeah, I mean, again, just to say that you can go back in time and then it doesn't affect any of the future, I, I call it total fiasco. Every every single thing I've said on time travel on anything has always been drastic consequences. In a comic book that uh, Jeremy got me into called Invincible, there's actually a great storyline they do at the very end of the series in which the main character, Mark Garrison, uh, he went back in time. He got stuck in a time loop to go back in time by these alien species that made it where he can go back in time and fix everything. And he, he hated it because the woman he loved was no longer in love with him and they eventually had a child. And so he ultimately makes the choice to go back in his time with all the disasters that have happened and all the people that have died and so he can still be happy with his wife and child, which I understand is a human emotion. So for this movie to say there's no consequences of time travel, I call it so, yeah. So me, personally, I don't buy the whole created an alternate timeline and everything else is fine. Because even if that's true, then he wouldn't be able to go back in time in the, or go back in the future and then give it to Sam. Then you jump be between two different dimensions. And I, I just don't think that works at all. Along with the time jump, another thing that Marvel would never really bring up is half the universe has been dead for five years, and then they're brought back five years later. So I'm a married man with a wife and a child. Uh, let's say I die and my wife and son survive. Five years later, I imagine my wife correctly would have probably moved on and married somebody else. And my son would now be like five or six, or six or, you know, like six, uh, six years old. I personally would have no idea what's been going on the last five years. And so uh, that's a big issue, story-wise. Like, there's going to be a ton of very awkward family reunions, even with siblings who are younger, who are now older, and everything else. And uh, it also puts a weird question. Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Like, were you burning in hell? And then boom, you're back. Or were you in heaven? And then boom, you're back. So there's a lot of weird um, uh, things that happen with with people being brought back. Another thing, Spider-Man is just back in high school again. Like because he died, I understand that he would be the same age as like a freshman, whatever he is. But like the rest of the high school students that aren't dead, they would be in college by now. So. There is a lot of uh, weird stuff when it comes to the time stuff that I think is very interesting that none of it gets addressed. You know, you even watch the new Spider-Man trailer and it shows like memorials for Tony Stark. I'm like, dude, there would be memorials and a whole bunch of messed up history 
globally. There are people with the, and I mean, I mean, that, there'd be a lot of dark stuff. There'd be a lot of mass suicides. Everything like things would not be all that pleasant. Uh, um, but uh, the next thing I don't like in the final battle that uh, the uh, the mansion, the Avengers mansion, whatever their base got blown up. And nobody dies. No one died in the explosion that they weren't expecting. Like, I'll definitely give you that. I think maybe two of them would have lived to survive that. So, yeah, that's a, a death blow. Hey, right Russ, there. before you go, give us a rating, sir. I give this movie, like I said, despite my issues with it, I give it a solid 8 out of 10. Now, personally, I like Affinity War better than this movie. But, again, this movie is a tough movie. It's a tough movie that's done. It is a tough the Bruce brothers have done an almost impossible task, and that's to please everybody, to make everyone happy, and it's a very well-loved movie, and despite my issues, I think it's actually a really good movie. And so I give this movie a solid 8 out of 10. All right, cool, cool, man. Well, you have a wonderful day at work, and I'll talk to you soon, sir. All right, you gentlemen have a good one. All right, so let's hop over to the other stuff that you don't like, sir. Um, bringing Gamora back, I just felt like that was, too convenient. You knew they were going to, and I, I, I was hoping they wouldn't to, to give that death some impact. Um, but yeah, they brought, what, 2014 Gamora back into today. They kind of left it open on whether she was dusted at the end or not, but I'm guessing the next Guardians movie is going to be about like trying to find her. Oh, the search for the Gamora? <laughs> Yeah, Guardian 3, The Search for Gamora, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I just felt like that was too convenient. I knew they were going to do it, but I just felt like it was low-hanging fruit. Well, well, for me, it, cu- it, it cuts down her sacrifice scene with, with Thanos. Exactly. And that scene was so beautiful. And so to bring her back, I mean, they didn't bring her back because, again, you know, she doesn't, she didn't go on all the adventures with them, so she's not a Guardian. But it's very much still that Gamora is still out there. So it's like, well, she's not dead, but she's kind of dead. But we'll see. Yeah, I just, it it, it definitely, it undercut what was, I thought, to be uh, one of the most powerful scenes in Infinity War. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, but yeah, in terms of anything else that I didn't like, uh, in terms of nitpicking, just a little, uh, a, a little comedic bits here and there, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Stanley cameo. I was like, all right. It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was there. It was the make love, not war thing. I thought that was, you know, it was uh, that, but I mean, and that's only in light of comparing it to like, you know, his, his cameo and like, um, and into the spider verse, which I thought that was a much better yeah. cameo. I, again, also at that time, they didn't know he was going to die. So if, if they, if they had, if they had that quote unquote, you know, foresight to like, know he was going to die, they, uh, they may have given him a, uh, a more touching scene to cameo in, but uh, yeah, other than that, man, I uh, I actually uh, enjoyed this film, and this is th- the third time I think you and I have actually agreed on a comic book movie this year. So wow, <laughs> I know this is really weird. <laughs> I, I know I was like, <laughs> I'm just so used to disagreeing with you and, and Russell, but uh, it, it seems like lately our uh, our interest and our uh, taste have uh, uh, aligned quite a bit. Well, to be fair, you've been watching a lot of movies lately, so your your taste is becoming more refined. And you're kind of starting to see and have it the is, same things that we would like it in is films. True, I have been going through all of the decades, uh, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and 
I'm actually about to go back to the 30s here soon. So nice. Um, yeah, def- I've definitely been refining my taste quite a bit. Uh, yeah, your uh, your film mind has gotten quite sharp as of late. So yeah, I'm very uh, I'm very happy that I now have someone to uh, you know to spar with uh, uh, cinematic wise. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you're if you're up to give a rating, let's uh, uh, let's give a rating for this movie. Yeah, um, I just simply love this movie. Um, I'm pretty sure my rating is going to be higher than yours, but. Um, this movie was kind of like a buffet for me. It was like there was so much good stuff. Uh, there was some stuff that wasn't as great, but overall, like, the majority of it, the vast, vast majority of it was just delicious. It was great. I loved it. And ultimately, um, movies are here to make us feel something. Um whether that is angry, sad, happy, laugh, cry, all of these things. And this movie did it all for me. It was a roller coaster ride. I felt sad. I felt happy. Um, I felt excited. I, I cried in this movie. Uh, all three times I've seen this movie, I've cried. And um, I'm cool with that. I don't care. But that's what a good movie is supposed to do. Um, it's supposed to make you feel something. And so this movie definitely made me feel something. And that's why I have it uh, probably a little higher. Um, I give it a 9.5. 9.5. Well, here's the interesting thing. So when I first saw this movie, I, uh, I was I was in strong nine territory, sir. Oh, I, I was uh, I was definitely digging it. And then, you know, but as the days go by, you start thinking about things and you're just like, eh, maybe that, you know, I was having such a good time that maybe I'll give, you know, you know, I'll give certain things a pass. Uh, but then I saw it again and I had both a I, I had both a lesser and better experience at the same time, which is weird. So uh, oh, wow. I actually I actually didn't cry the first time when, I, you know, like during the whole Tony Stark uh you know, final moments and funeral, but then I cried the second time I saw it. So, uh, and and so it kind of like you know went it kind of it kind of started high, went down, and then went back up a little bit for me. So uh, yeah, this movie for me, I am going to give it an eight point five. Okay. Uh, I, I I. So we're uh, eight eight point five and a nine point five. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's about where I felt like we would be. Yeah, that's pretty for for what they did. It was a solid ending, and they ended on on an emotional note of a uh, you know giving a send off to the character that started it all off. And uh, you know, I w- I have my hat on right now. I am taking it off for Robert Downey Jr. Hell of a job, sir. Hell of a job. Oh, yeah. He was great in this movie. You know, I, I don't think he'll get one, but I would love to see, a, 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 like, a supporting actor nomination or something for him for this movie because he just did, a re- especially in that uh, beginning scene where he was, like, emaciated and everything. Um, he he, just, he did a great job in this movie. I mean, I mean honestly, he's, I mean... I, I mean, in this movie, I, I feel like I guess he's a. I'll put him at the starring role. I mean, you, I, him and Cap True. are like. Uh, I feel like him and yeah. Cap hold the movie, and then everyone else is supporting. So. <laughs> okay, so fair enough. Yeah, there's just so many characters in this movie. I just feel like all of them are supporting. But yeah, I mean, you can definitely put him. Uh, I, I wouldn't be against putting him in, in a starring 
kind of role. Yeah. Him and Cap do a lot of heavy lifting. Oh, absolutely. And even though Russ didn't like the whole Cap going back and erasing, you know, uh, Peggy's thing and everything, although I I do agree with him that uh, that is something that kind of just goes unanswered, I do like that Cap uh, went back to get that last dance. And it was. uh, Yeah, I just, for me, I felt like. Um, and I would have liked to, to kind of debate this with Russell a little more, but and I'm sure we will. Um, for me, I felt like Cap just needed a win. You know, he is a guy who was always sacrificing for the greater good, and he needed to learn to be a little more selfish and, 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 and to have a win. It was kind of interesting where Iron Man was someone who was very selfish, who ultimately – uh, made the ultimate sacrifice. And then Captain America, who's all about sacrificing, became a little more selfish. So they kind of had opposite kind of arcs in this movie, um, which I appreciated. But yeah, for me, I, I see where Russell was getting, you know, where, where he was coming from. But um, I just felt like Cap deserved that dance, man. He just he deserved that dance. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, what they did was they both, you know, basically ended uh, their storylines where their first movies ended, right? Where you know, where where Iron Man gets the last line, I am, you know, I am Iron Man, and Cap, you know, mm-hmm. his, his last line of his movie was, I had a date, right? Yeah. And so he gets, and until so he gets that date, and I would very much like you know equate that last or or like the last scene of him dancing with Peggy to the end of The Dark Knight Rises, where, for me, it was like, yeah, that was a bit of a, you know, like, I was a bit of a stretch and a bit, you know, a bit far-fetched for me, but uh, I'm a big comic book guy. I've read, you know, countless Batman stories, and and Batman never, ever, ever, ever gets a happy ending. So for him to get one in Dark Knight Rises, I was just happy for him to actually get one. (laughs) And so so I kind of, and so I kind of gave that a pass, and so I kind of equate that to this scene with him dancing with Peggy where I'm just like, uh, you know, cat me to happy and then just give it to him. <laughs> so. Yeah, I felt the same way. And, uh, you're, t- you're talking about, um, crying. You know, the funny, the funny thing about it for me was the second time I watched this movie, I cried in different spots than the first time I watched this movie. Um, especially, um, with that, um, scene with Tony and, uh, Peter. Yeah. The second time, oh, I, I was a mess at that because knowing what was going to happen in just a few minutes, that scene was just even more poignant to me. It hit me hard um, because of what Peter means to Tony and and what Tony means to Peter and, you know, finally getting that hug that, you know, Peter's like, oh, this is nice. And uh, then to see him after the snap um, and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow having to kind of pull him off and and then talk to um, uh, Tony, which I thought her uh, little speech there was very understated and not a lot of people are talking about it. Oh, it was. Uh, it was it she was, wasn't in this movie very much, but that was really great, like how she held it together until he passed. And then, she, and then she kind of lost it. Yeah, it was pitch perfect. I mean, if it's one thing, and, and I'm not a parent, but I understand 
the mindset of a parent, uh, you know, like when they're coming to the end, that what they want, you know, like, 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 like their last things and feelings is that they want their family to be okay, right? Yeah. And so just giving him that reassurance saying, Tony, because like, because there's even a moment where like, you know, at, you know, when he's like, so like slowly dying, she, he looks away and she says, look at me, right? And he like, because just like, just let him know, we're going to be fine. You did not fail us. And I love you. And just, and I thought that her delivery was, uh, for me anyway, pitch perfect. And yes, I did begin to cry the second time at that delivery. Cause as I thought it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was fantastic. Honestly. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I was listening to, um, uh, Kevin Smith's podcast where he had the, uh, writers, Marcus and Mifili on, uh, I was listening to that today. And they said that they wrote all kinds of dialogue for Tony for that moment. And Robert Downey Jr. just was like, no. Like, all all Iron Man does is talk. In this moment, in his last moment, he just needs to to just be understated and, and not say anything. And just everything's on his face. Yeah. yeah, Robert Downey Jr. knows best because that was pitch perfect. Oh, yeah, like dude. Yeah, and 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 Robert Downey Jr. we trust. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It it was fantastic. I couldn't imagine them having dialogue there, like just like Rhodey kind of stroking his hair, and then and then uh, Peter coming in, and then uh, Pepper. Like, yeah, the way they did that, it was just great. And uh, everyone just, you know, just, you know, watching as that, you know, that first arc reactor floats out with the lines, you know, proof that Tony Stark proof has a heart. Tony. Yeah. And I was like, all right, you got me again. Damn it. All right. Right, <laughs> right. right. Um, how did you feel about um, them not acknowledging Black Widow at that funeral? I've heard a lot of people, like, were pissed off about it. Um, I mean, yeah. I, that I, they, they gave her a small scene with you know with with uh you know with with uh vision with not vision but uh wanda and and hawkeye in terms of in terms of them having that moment but i feel like she definitely needed to like have i mean it's very much like tony saved the day at the end but i do feel like her sacrifice should have been given a bigger moment although i would to be fair they did give her a moment after you know when they all come back and she's not back with them and they all have, and, yeah. and they all like are asking, like you know, like does she have family? And they're like, dude, we were a family, and they're all kind of dealing with it. I feel like that was, that will suffice. I, I would have liked more, but they did not uh, ignore it either, though. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Had we not gotten that little moment at the, at, you know, after the time heist, um, yeah, I, I, it would have pissed me off. But um, yeah, I felt like. We we kind of had time to to feel about Scarlett Johansson's uh, death, and you know since that was you know with an hour and a half left, I would say, and uh, it was about halfway through the movie. Whereas you know we're still reeling from Tony's death, um, so that's probably why they focused on it. It didn't bother me that much, but yeah, like you said, I would have liked a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, uh, definitely agree, sir. I feel like this movie was kind of impossible to make perfect, no matter what, and they did as well as they possibly could. And so, you know, bravo to them. So, oh yeah, they were juggling a lot of balls. I mean, just listening to the uh, 
like took apart this script and reworked it and put it back together and they just talked. I mean, they were saying that they would just spend 12 hours a day in a conference room, you know, just reworking and grinding and reworking the script. Like they, I mean, there was a lot of, lot of work that went into it. And, you know, they, the degree of difficulty was very high. Yeah. I, you know, you know, it is probably in, in terms of ensembles and what they had to do, you know, the big, like if you're, if you're to put both films together, which I, I think infinity war and Endgame are just one movie for me. Uh, but I, I, I do think, uh, you know, this is as big as Lord of the Rings in terms of, you know, uh, achievements with making, uh, movies at this big of scope and, uh, pretty much nailing the landing. So, yeah, absolutely. So with that, I'll, I guess I'll close this out. You good? I'm good. I, I feel like I got a lot off my chest. I'm happy that this podcast could be your therapy, sir. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for Another Look. You can find us on Facebook at Another Look. You can find us on Podbean at Another Look. And you can find us at Twitter with Another Look. That is with three O's. I am Jeremy McKinley. I'm Brian Powers. And thank you for joining us.